Hello and welcome to Wednesdays with the YP. This is William Davis, youth pastor at Clay's Mill Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for joining us today on the broadcast. I always look forward to being with you for Wednesdays with the YP. We've had a lot of orders for the new devotional, the Unto the Uttermost 365-day devotional. You can pick up yours at yplife.org, and uh, it's $12. It is a daily devotional for teenagers and adults, and uh, we'd love to get that into your hands. And so if you can uh, get online and order that, we'd love to get you one. And uh, that is a uh, brand new devotional, just came out in March. It is very similar to the ones we've had in the past, the playbook and the vision devotional. And so if you'd like to get that, it is written by myself and about 65 other pastors, youth pastors, missionaries, and evangelist from around the world. And so we're excited about that. This past week, we had at our church the biggest day ever. We had 3,398 people in church. It was the biggest day we've ever had in church. We had 379 teenagers 379 teenagers. It was the largest day we've ever had in our youth department, so a record-setting day. It was wonderful. We had uh, a huge day in the bus ministry, over 1,700 on buses, and uh, just an unbelievable day, Uh, 160 saved or 70 saved. I can't remember the exact number, but just an unbelievable day, and uh, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome, and you probably read about it on Facebook, and um, you can go back and watch the sermon on Sunday morning about being a potter uh, for the king was just amazing. And um, uh, having visitors and uh, dinner on the grounds, and it was great. However, however, I'm going to be real transparent with you today as as youth pastors, and I'm just going to tell you, I I actually did not did not hit my goal. Um, so in the celebration of the big day, you say, brother Davis, you just said you had 379 teenagers in a record day. I did, um, but in uh, in our teen department here, we actually have four different youth departments. We have our Spanish youth department. We have our A youth department uh, that will, that they meet at ten thirty. We have our B youth department. They meet at two thirty, and we have our C youth department. They meet at at ten ten forty five, and so. Um, I um, I had a huge day, record day in C, uh, a record day in B. Uh, Spanish uh, had a great day, and uh, but in A, in A, which is our church, uh, our drive-in church teens, um, we had a a a close to record day, but uh, we only had se- uh, 78. 78 in Sunday school and uh, and that's that's not a record that that and that wasn't my goal I wanted to have a hundred and I was short 
And if you've ever set a goal on your bus or in your Sunday school class um, and, uh, and fallen short, um, you, you know how I feel. Um, I challenged our teenagers to write five names on a card and to pray and to work to get those visitors to come to Sunday school. And I wrote down names on my card, and I had two of my five to come, but that means I had 60% of my visitors not come. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm happy we had the great day. I, I felt um, joyful and excited. I, I celebrated uh, like everyone else did, but there was a part of me that fought off a feeling of failure um, because I didn't hit my goal and because I didn't have my visitors that I wanted to have. And um, that, that's tough, but that's real and that's honest. I was sitting beside my son on Sunday morning and um, he had his head down and looked kind of discouraged. He's five. His name's Will. And I said, son, what's wrong? I said, this is an exciting day. And he looked over at me and he said, a reef didn't come. A reef is the little boy that my son had been inviting for weeks to come to church. And I watched a five-year-old boy with sadness in his heart because his visitor didn't come. And um, in a way, it made me happy because my son was burdened for his friend. But I told him, at least your cousin Carter came. And uh, he said, yeah. That night, Will rode home with me like he always does. And we were talking about the day and the lessons that he heard and how church went and we pulled into the neighborhood and I said, you know, a reef didn't come, but at least we had a good day. And Will perked up and said, you know, Dad, a reef might not have came because his dad didn't make it home. Maybe he'll come next week. And the transition from the sadness to the joy and planning of another week of ministry in a five-year-old's heart, challenged me as a youth pastor to think that failure cannot discourage me. It must motivate me. It must motivate me. Can I tell you something? The Dallas Cowboys have not won a Super Bowl for almost 30 years. It's been 28 seasons since the Dallas Cowboys went to the Super Bowl and won. It's actually been 28 seasons since they even won a playoff game. If you want to talk about losers, those boys with the stars on their helmets have been losing for 28 years. 
<laughs> it's amazing. But every year is this is going to be the year. And their depression turns to optimism right around draft time, right around free agency. And it's amazing what happens. How does that happen? It's because failure cannot destroy or depress me. It must motivate me. How do I let that happen in ministry? If it can happen in a game that is so trivial like football, how do I make it happen in ministry? Well, number one, let me say this. I must realize that winning isn't everything, nor is it the only thing. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, the Cowboys have not won a playoff game in 28 years, yet they are the most valuable NFL franchise. I don't understand that, but it's true. The Cowboys haven't won a playoff game in 28 years. The Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in 28 years, yet they have the highest attendance in the NFL. The Cowboys haven't won a playoff game in 28 years. They haven't won the Super Bowl in 28 years. They've lost. They're losers. Yet they are the most popular and well-known NFL franchise. They are truly, I spit to say this, America's team. They sell the most merchandise of any other team. And they're, they have been losers for 28 years. How does that happen? Maybe because winning isn't everything, nor is it the only thing. They may not hoist a trophy every year, but they win in other areas, and that is still winning. And if I'm going to stay motivated in ministry, I do need to set goals, and those goals may definitely need to be numeric at times, but when I fail to reach that numeric goal, I must step back and I must think that, you know, even though I didn't hit that goal, even though I didn't attain what I wanted to attain, what did I achieve? I did this on Monday. I stepped back and I looked at what did I win when I lost on Sunday? What did I win is a bunch of teenagers brought visitors who had never brought visitors. That's a win. Now, wait a minute. I lost. I didn't hit my goal. I missed my goal. I lost. Yes, I did. But you know what? There were teenagers sitting there that had never brought visitors. They had never, they had never once had a visitor, and they had visitors in Sunday school because of the push, because of the drive, because of 
everyone working to bring visitors, young people who never had been soul winning, never had pushed to bring visitors, had visitors. There were first-time visitors who would have never visited the church because of the goal. There was involvement from some who had not been involved before in soul winning and visitation because of the goal. You see, friend, winning isn't everything, nor is it the only thing. Now, I wanted to hit my goal. I wish I'd hit my goal. I wanted to have a hundred. I don't think it's wrong to want to hit a hundred. I don't think it's bad to have a goal of a hundred. But when I have 78 and I feel like I, I failed in my goal to have a hundred, I must step back and say, where did I win? Where did things go right? Because that will motivate me to push forward rather than the feeling of failure of only having 78 making me want to quit because I didn't hit my goal. I must step back and say, hey, when the Cowboys for 28 years fail, how do they get back up every season and sell the merchandise, fill the stadium, make the money, stay America's team? I don't understand it. I don't like the Cowboys. But apparently a lot of people do, even though they have stunk for 28 years. Winning isn't everything, nor is it the only thing. Number two, let me say this. If I'm going to stay motivated in ministry, I must focus on the benefit of the preparation and work of winning. I must focus on the benefit of the preparation and work of winning. You see, while I'm trying to win, I put in all that preparation and all that work to win. That is in itself the benefit of winning. What is the benefit of having a hundred? I get to say I had a hundred. That's not a benefit. The benefit is the preparation and the work. The work itself is the benefit. Well, what happens then when I only have 78? I still reap the benefit. I still went soul winning. People were still saved. There were still visitors. There was still a, a weeks and weeks worth of, of soul winning and, and visitation. There was still involvement. There were still teenagers involved and soul winning and, and burden for other people. So the benefits were still there. The preparation for the week, the work was a win. So I must focus on the benefit of the preparation and the work of winning, for that is a win in itself. Number three, I must make sure to build upon my progress. I must make sure to build upon my progress. One man said it like this, you either win or learn. You win or learn. 
If I don't take the opportunity to learn when I lose, it's then I'm a loser. What did I learn? What do I take away? What do I gain? Failure is not final or fatal unless it forces me to quit or I choose not to learn. I must build on the progress that I gain from my goal. What progress did I make? Well, I have a whole stack of visitor cards. Well, I have a group of teenagers who are now hungry for soul winning, who have been exposed to a burden, who, who now have had that bite of bringing a visitor, seeing someone they talk to come to church. I must make sure I build on that progress. Otherwise, my failure is final. Then number four, I must set new goals. I did not mean lower goals. Oh, no, friend. My next goal in a big day will be 100. You better believe it. If we can have 78, we can have 100. I did not mean I will lower my goals so that I can achieve it. No. I just meant I will set new goals. I will do it again. And I will work harder. I will change some things. I will do more of some things and less of some things. I will make sure that I prepare and I work. I will build on the progress that I've made. But I will set new goals and work to achieve those goals. That's how you win even when you lose. Everyone listening to this has been through this. Unless you're one of those type of people who never set goals in your life. But if you've ever set a goal and you've not reached it, you must not let that failure destroy you. You must let that failure motivate you. If a football team can lose 28 years in a row and still find ways to win, Surely those of us who do the work of the church and preach the gospel of a risen Savior, when we stumble or we don't achieve what we feel like we should have achieved, can find ways that we have won when we fall short of what we thought was the expected Goal. Winning isn't everything, nor is it the only thing. 
Focus on the benefit of the preparation and work of winning. Build on the progress that you make and set new goals. That's how you win even when you lose. And until next time, keep serving the next generation. Somewhere there's a cowboy fan that needs you to keep going and keep believing.